0: My father was a uh, w- mm. migrated from Iraq, and f- throughout his entire life, mm. he never felt that he was British. To him, mm. being British was merely to have a passport which, which would allow him to travel and to work mm. for the best interests of Iraq. And once mm. the chance came for him to return to Iraq and hopefully do something that would. Uh, you know Allow him to think yeah. That he was doing something By his country He, he <coughs> took that opportunity no. I was less inclined To do that And therefore I haven't returned to Iraq <laughs> Despite the fact That I was invited to return
1: Have you, think, have you thought about Returning to Yorkshire though? Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. tough yeah. <laughs> You know
0: The thing is I always tell uh, Tell everyone That when I was uh, When I was in Leeds I was, li- I was living and teaching In Leeds For a while I used to travel to London twice a week. Mm-hmm. Now I moved to London, I couldn't travel to Leeds once every four months. It's, it's, wow. just, it's just incredible. <laughs> I don't know what, what it is about London. Maybe That's, age. Uh, maybe age, maybe <laughs> gravity, maybe My magnetism. Own. I don't know what it is.
1: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi and welcome to today's Islam 21c Unscripted podcast. I'm your host, uh, Salman Bhatt. And uh, with us today, we're very lucky to have uh, a dear... A uh, special guest, uh, I could say a friend, I could say Ustaz, uh a person who's uh, Mashallah been uh, on the British Muslim scene for many a year. I won't, uh, won't hazard a guess as to how many. It's uh, Dr. Anas Takriti. alaykum Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Did you come from far? Uh, West London. So yes, another ma-shallah. country, <laughs> another West, <laughs> another West Londoner at heart. Ala- <laughs> I really hate coming to...
0: It's uh, East, East uh, London is lovely, lovely people, yeah. but uh, yeah, the, the trip is, place, yeah. is arduous. But
1: if I do come to East London, I come to Quaker Street Coffee and Bubble Tea. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for a nice little advert in the middle? Um, they're the gracious hosts of the the venue who've uh, provided us this very nice space to uh, have this podcast today, so thank you to them. I think if you um, mention Islam21C, if you come here... Um, you'll get uh, charged 10% extra <laughs> So either that or 10% off one of those two But it's, it's worth a worth a shot uh, Dr. Alice, um We all uh, kind of enjoyed the spectacle of the UK general election Didn't we? Uh, over the last few weeks And uh, we had a um, uh, You know, during the election time As is, as is kind of expected uh, There's a lot of uh, talk about um, you know, getting out and voting, and Muslims getting involved in that kind of stuff. And after the election, um, we spoke about uh, you know what next. Mm. Uh, you know, then obviously election time. You know, elections are important, but voting isn't the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Some people were very worried that you know if we um, talk about elections so much, that might give us a false sense of kind of you know having done something. So yeah. we kind of just fold our hands and wait to the next general election and uh, we had a nice conversation last week with uh, Azad Ali and Imam Shaqeel uh, talking about some of the things that Muslims should uh, be doing between election times, between election cycles and you know that's where the real activism, and real work happens and one thing that was um, kind of came up again and again in, in a lot of forums and groups that I'm on is that Muslims should um, have organisations for lobbying, think tanks for carrying out research and stuff. Um, and that's why, you know, um, your being here as, you know, I think, founder of the Cordoba Foundation uh, is something that kind of ties in nicely to that. Can you can you um, uh, describe to us what Cordoba Foundation does and as much as you're able to disclose?
0: Well, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Cordoba Foundation will celebrate its 15th anniversary. We were set As-ha. up in the first week of January 2005, and when we set up, um, the ultimate aim was basically to bridge um, the narrative mm. in terms of how the West speaks of and sees the Muslim world, and how the Muslim world also sees the West. The misunderstanding, the the, mis, um, the let's let's say the sort of skewed image of the mm-hmm. other. On both sides um, is prevalent, yeah. and at the time was quite heightened because of we were just uh, we were just emerged from War. the Iraq yeah. War. We were still in the midst of the phase called the War on Terror, yeah. and there are all sorts of alarm bells ringing on many many levels. So um, it was important to create something that would um, try to create a narrative. Uh, that would allow the West to understand the Muslim world better, as well as vice versa, the Muslims understanding the West better. Because essentially, at the time, we constantly said that the Muslim world was all of a sudden seeing the West through the, the eyes of uh, George W. Bush and Tony yeah. Blair, and the West was seeing the Muslim world through the eyes of Osama bin Laden, and yeah. both are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, But then things developed, obviously, with time and events and uh, demands and uh, progressions as well, developments um, within the the Muslim communities Mm. in in Europe and North America, Uh, the events that took place in the Middle East, obviously the Arab Spring and the such. And the the Cordoba Foundation quickly uh, developed um, into what I would uh, term as a think tank, meaning that it would do research, but not for research purposes alone. Mm -hmm. Um, It would carry out training, but not for training alone. It Mm -hmm. would hold events, but not for the sake of the events on their own. All of these would lead to making an impact. So bit by bit, the Cordoba Foundation became effectively a lobbying organization. So we'd Mm -hmm. have a bit of research on something uh, pertinent and important, and we would carry that Mm -hmm. to the concerned agencies, to the concerned ministries, departments, personnel, um so that basically the findings of that particular research would be taken on board yeah. w- and would be implemented as well and over the years alhamdulillah uh, we've proven to be successful and effective mm-hmm. and i say okay. so obviously i'm the founder of the cobbe <laughs> foundation so i would you know blow interest, my own yeah. trumpet but but i would take stock from the fact that we have been labeled as extremists and terrorists by people who aren't very nice and that to me tells me that usually when uh, oppressive governments for instance when they label us as Mm -hmm. being uh, extremists or terrorists that's a good thing that's a good badge of honor (laughs) to carry you know i would worry when good people describe us in critical terms but when bad people describe us in critical terms that's that's where we, we would it's like kind of to a be post that you're on the right track exactly so channel. it's it's been it's happened time and time again um, uh, david cameron when in opposition he attacked us openly yeah, yeah. in parliament um yeah and described us in terms which we've challenged him to say outside of Parliament and which he neglected to respond to. Because yeah. um, in Parliament
1: you have parliamentary privilege. You have parliamentary uh, privilege. Yeah, able to basically... Which is <laughs> a nice thing. I, <laughs> I, I, utter lies without it's, any it's, uh,
0: it's, it's, it's a nice thing mm. when you're in that particular position. Mm. You can say whatever you want lies or truth and then mm. get away with it. Um, uh, and we've been at- attacked by right-wing, by yeah. Zionist uh, corners whether media or politics or the I such. I remember one
1: of your reports was uh, on the Henry Jackson Society. Correct. And neoconservatism. We actually, broadly.
0: actually, before that, before the Henry Jackson Society, there was the Centre for Social Cohesion, if you mm-hmm. recall. And uh, we actually published a report into Policy Exchange and the Centre for Social Cohesion and their mm-hmm. agenda. And more importantly, we dedicated half of that report to the money trail, mm-hmm. to where they were getting their funds from. Um, that was driving them to adopt such uh, right-wing, extremist, xenophobic, sometimes even blatantly Mm. racist and Islamophobic positions. Mm. And um, a, a few months after that, the Center for Social Cohesion declared that it was closing down. And we had the Henry Jackson Society and Douglas Murray, who headed mm-hmm. the Center for Social Cohesion, moved from yeah. that to the, the, the new setup, the Henry Jackson Society. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that we've constantly Something been like, in the crossfires yeah. of, uh, of right wing Zionist, um, mm. new con uh, think tanks and individuals. That's a, that's a good place to be. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly yeah. proud of that. So, yeah. alhamdulillah, we, yeah. I, I agree absolutely with what you opened up with. And the uh, theses mm-hmm. and arguments of um, uh, Imam Sheikhil as well as Azad Ali and many mm-hmm. many many others um, about the uh, you know the elections uh, pre mm-hmm. as well as post. Mm-hmm. It's not just elections when we wake up and realize yeah. that we need to you know yeah. do do a few things and maybe just tick that box and send off uh, the the ballot mm-hmm. uh, paper or go to the, the the polling station. It's actually three three hundred sixty five days every single year. Mm-hmm and therefore when the elections come that's a very final uh, you know furlong if you wish that's a final Mm. uh, phase of of being political essentially being political to me and i have constantly um, Mm. believed in this since i started being a student activist when i was 18 doing my Mm. levels in manchester and getting into scraps with, unfortunately, with Muslims. <laughs> because at the time, uh, telling people to uh, go and vote or mm-hmm. stand up for elections in council elections or the such was extremely yeah. unpopular. It was something that was unheard of. So I yeah. was, you know, hurled out of uh, many, mo- <laughs> many a mosque and many a musalla. and I was mm-hmm. prevented from delivering khutbah, uh, jum'ah juma- khutbah, and many mosques due to my yeah. positions, which some thought at the time were anti-islam but to me my understanding of islam is that it is essentially political everything yeah. that we do is political and i don't mean political in the parliament sense or yeah. westminster sense i mean political in the concept of islah you know in uridu illa wa ma tawfiqi all that i want is reform and development to all, That's to, very to, important to, to, the, to the extent of yeah. my ability To my, Some people have
1: this view that You have to make change Kind of all of a sudden On a on a global scale Or on a, on a, on a systemic massive scale And but,
0: not only mm, that but the argument mm, Against mm. for instance My position and my call To, mm. to basically be political um, Is that well what did it do What yeah. did it do But that's not What did what do what what, you know your political engagement? Why didn't that work? Why didn't protesting against the war in Iraq when two and a half million people marched in London? Why didn't that work? So it's it's futile. So Mm. the anti-politics brigade, whoever they may be, you know, and as sincere their hearts may be, and I'm pretty sure that they are. But their argument moves from First of all Is it halal or haram? Mm. And then when they lose that argument They move to Well it doesn't really work It's it's futile You're just wasting yeah. your time yeah. But the point is مستطعت. You can argue That the vast majority yeah. of Anbiya and Rusul, The messengers of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah. Actually failed When yeah. Nuh salam Kept calling for Almost ten yeah. centuries If you're
1: judging by the material outcome
0: That's It's not going to yeah, work And, the, and we need outcome. to stop doing yeah. that um, So So This islah, whether it be, Mm. you know, uh, writing a letter to my counsellor in in order to complain against something, potholes on the road, for instance, or that the bin collection is not sufficient, or that um, someone is being rowdy and bothering their neighbours, or complaining to the the education ministry regarding the the syllabus that my children Mm. or other people's children are being subjected to. Mm. Or the banking sector as to the practices of the yeah. banks, all of these, which might appear to be well common sense citizenship issues, yeah. which anyone can do, that is being political. Mm. That is being political. Any attempt to reform, any attempt, if you wish, to use the 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 the, the, the sort of um, uh, the term that we are comfortable with and appreciate more, any aspect of dawah. Yeah. is essentially being political. Yeah. You're creating change. You're having an impact. So it, it's it's a must. And, and this election saw, to, to mm. my knowledge, and from what I saw, an unprecedented uh, level of engagement and activism and excitement and discussion w- throughout the Muslim community, throughout the country. I attended uh, probably more than 30 events, hustings, um, seminars, meetings and the such up and down the country.
1: Salam guys, sorry to butt in, but if you're enjoying this podcast, please head over to islamtunancycom forward slash donate to help us make more. And if you're not enjoying it, head over anyway and help us make better ones. I've heard that as well. That, I mean, anecdotally, a lot of people have been saying that they've seen Identifiably Muslim people, Beards and hijabs, and that kind of stuff at polling stations, at hustings, you know, organizing events—is that something you'd, you'd say? This kind of, you can say with confidence. absolutely. I mean, I,
0: I, mean, I, I would, I would think of myself as a, as a Yorkshire lad rather mm-hmm. than a Londoner. <laughs> I lived in, in Yorkshire for nigh on twenty years, and um, I used to roam Yorkshire, Lancashire, you know, that that mid belt east to west. Mm. and up until 2010, uh, many mosques in Lancashire, many mosques in Yorkshire would, you know, politely say, Mm. no, thank you. That is something we do not need. Mm. I've been prevented from giving out leaflets in mosques. Those same mosques invited me back to say Mm. something about how they should get engaged in in the the current elections. And by the way, it's not a change of personnel. The very same imam, the very same director Mm. of that mosque, Mm. Calls me and says, Could you come up because we have a meeting of young people? Why do you think re- that is?
1: Is it is, is is generally a broad kind of change in perspective by the leadership, or is it something that they've found, okay, this is the people are asking for this, it's getting too loud to ignore now?
0: I'm going to give you my own perspective. This is what mm-hmm. I see from what I've dealt with. Um, partly it's someone who's come to a realization, mm-hmm. and that's, that's great. But mostly, I would say it's the emergence of a new generation that is mm-hmm. demanding of their parents, of their uncles, of their aunts to change their positions. Yeah. They're basically saying, listen, what you're saying is, res- you know, I'm going to respect it, but it's wrong. We need to be involved. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I have seldom seen a young uh, student generation, I'm talking about post 15, even those who don't still mm. vote. Um, college, sixth form, up until university, seldom have I seen not only um, the level and the expanse of engagement, but the kind of arguments that are being proposed. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking, you know, I'm really, really pleased that the Muslims have positioned themselves across the board. You can't identify the Muslims as being pro-Labour or pro-Tories or pro-Lib Dems. They are across the board, and that's a very, yeah. very good thing. And that I mm-hmm. believe every single <clears throat> Muslim organization has called for. The people take into consideration who their candidate is, yeah. you know, have a list of criteria of the most important issues to them and tick the boxes and then see who is who is best. And then at the end, if there is a collaborative tactical vote to take yeah. place, then then take part mm-hmm. in that, then, then consider that. And that's a very, very good thing. The kind of arguments I've been privy to, and I've, I, I took part in three, three such settings in which student unions across the country, one in London, one in Manchester, one in Birmingham, took place where uh, Muslim Tories and Muslim Lib Dems and Muslim uh, Labour members mm-hmm. um, came together around the table and they were discussing policies mm-hmm. of their parties. They were discussing manifestos and the level of and the depth and maturity of the discussion was something no, no, no. that was really really uh, inspiring. I, would re-
1: I really do want to believe that that is um, indicative of a broader trend, but there's a part of me that's kind of sceptic. Maybe maybe you're you're having some kind of. Um, you know, observation bias, you know, like a doctor is exposed to a lot of yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know ill people. Likewise, because of your your career and your interest, you're exposed to those people who are more interested in politics. Do you know if that's a, you know, a, a broad change? Is, is a trajectory, in your opinion, of the Muslim community in the UK going in that direction? Or could you... Because, I mean... I like to kind of enter and disrupt echo chambers. Yes, like, yes, of course. Know, that's my, of course. Uh, and I'm on a few groups, and you know, people who are still kind of uh, exhibiting a what I would call an anti-politics. Yeah. You know, of kind of of abstention, of you know, separate yourselves, or this is a kufr system, or that yes. kind of stuff. Uh,
0: I'll, you know, I'm I'm basing, mm. as I said, this is my personal perspective. Yeah. This is what I'm seeing, and I have you know, being quite active in every single election over the mm. past, uh, let's say, <coughs> 18, 20 years. Mm. But at least, uh, even more, but I don't want to give away <laughs> my age. Um, but you started th- when
1: you were 10, about 10 Yeah, something years. like that.
0: Um, uh, but uh, I think that if you were to gauge the elections from the time when mm. the L- Labour arrived in 1997, up until now, you will see a constant rise in the level of engagements yes. throughout the Muslim community. Um, I also uh, take uh, a strong indication from my own experience and from the experience of those close to me. Mm. Um, when, for instance, in 1987, when uh, you know we were outside our musallas in Manchester University or UMIST or whatever, uh, and uh, leafleting for people to go and register to vote yeah. and the such. We were outside li- Blockbuster Video
1: uh, Woolworths we, and Woolworths, we, <laughs> we, BHS and Littlewoods, <laughs> and we were
0: literally hounded. We we, yeah. we, we were literally um, set bad. upon. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I recall quite vividly, yeah. you know, three burly brothers, you know, emerging from the mosque and uh, saying, "Why are you standing here?" And you should you know, be on your way yeah. and don't do this and throw this away. And they would take away the, you know, the leaflets that we had done in a very, very primitive way, you know, mm-hmm. handwritten and then copied in the old Xerox machines yeah. and, and they would just throw it away in front of us. Those same mosques now, those same, mos- same mosallas are now mm-hmm. hubs of activism, of right. engagement, mm-hmm. of, <coughs> so from my experience of the very same places that used to be anti engagement. um, And and the people who used to be anti engagement, and the circle of communities, let's say, Mm -hmm. that used to be anti engagement, are now uh, engaged, I wouldn't say, you know, all of them, I wouldn't say all to the same level that I would I Mm -hmm. would hope that they would be. But things are changing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is driven firstly, because people have contemplated, people have gained a new perspective. Um, as well as, listen, you know, we live in a time when being a Muslim hasn't, has almost, almost, and I, mm. I wouldn't dare uh, judge the era of my father or my uncles in the 70s and 60s and the such and how difficult those times were. But in, living, in, in our living memory, it's, it's now amongst the hardest of times mm. to be a Muslim and the kind of spike in Islamophobic attacks, verbal and physical, Mm. across the board, is documented as having increased over the past two years by sometimes astronomical um, percentages. We're talking about 620% in some areas. We're talking about 300-400% in areas in boroughs in London, for instance. We're talking in Lancashire, for instance, uh, an increase of 180%. People are feeling that.
1: So if somebody's a racist Islamophobe, in other words... If you want Muslims to stop uh, engaging and trying to you know make their mark on the place then stop attacking them. <laughs> well yeah that that's then. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's
0: it's a very very valid point and maybe someone ought to do a campaign around that <laughs> that, that, uh, that specific uh,
1: I have a theory as well of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, maybe some of the the logic behind some of the reasoning behind the change. And that is I think if you if you feel that you belong here that islam belongs here that this is your home then you're more likely to make your mark spread some roots um you know call for your rights and so forth if you feel internally or subconsciously that you're a guest in someone mm. else's land mm. um as our parents mm. um perhaps rightfully so they felt because you know they they were born somewhere else and they 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 they, they felt themselves as a muhajir of, of, of sorts uh, economic uh, probably Migration. but uh, yeah. You know, it's not if you feel that you're a guest, and it's not part of being a gracious guest to demand your rights. <laughs> and, you know, make your yeah, make your mark. You know, a lot yeah. of uh, I was speaking to the brothers in um, in Birmingham, you know, about the uh, protests around yes. the schools and stuff, and they said that it's actually the young mums mm. who are you know making more trouble for the schools, <laughs> mm. Mm. and the elder ones they're like, you know, they literally said, "This is a Christian country. Let you know, don't yeah. tell them." How to run it, or you know, we have to listen to them. But the younger ones who've born and raised here, they feel more at home here, and therefore they feel more, um, you know, likely to or more confident in making demands.
0: This is textbook um, immigrant communities. Mm. This is what these are the phases that people go through. The first um, wave of immigrants, um, the first one or two generations, they will feel that that feeling of appreciation. You know, I'm a guest, so I I appreciate being allowed here. And I've gone, my academic Mm. um, uh, background is that I'm a translator and
1: interpreter. Oh, I read that you're a a hostage negotiator. I'm I'm also
0: a hostage negotiator. (laughs) I'm many, many things. I have so many caps, I I keep them in a box. And um, the, Mm. uh, and I can't count the number of letters articles messages statements that start with or end with yeah. we'd like to thank the authorities for allowing us to be here to enter to yeah. hold our conference in a
1: peaceful yeah.
0: hundreds of times and every time my heart sinks
1: i had that in a hood balance
0: it's uh, it's very annoying. By the way in Arabic there is yeah. a, um, a, there is a, a slang sort of saying Yaharirib uh, kun Adib oh stranger, be polite yeah, or yeah. be courteous. So you should feel as though you're a guest mm-hmm. and behave like a guest ought to behave. You should ask for permission when you need to go <laughs> to the toilet for instance. you should ask yeah. for permission. When you want a cup of tea, or you should eat your food, although it tastes horrible, yeah, uh, you know, just it, smile politely, just and smile, and just <laughs> keep your head down, and yeah. don't create too much of a fuss. But then the, the second generation comes, mm-hmm. and the second mm-hmm. generation is usually labelled as a rebellious generation. It's a generation that finds. Reaction totally against so they uh, they rebel against their culture their traditions the ways Mm. of their fathers uh, even faith probably their you know culture and everything and and then you have the next generation which becomes more constructive which tries which sees the validity in the position of the first generation and also the argument of the second Mm. generation and they try to find a way Those those are the productive yeah. if you like that phase is a productive phase and it depends on the nature of the of the community how fast they cross these phases otherwise it's yeah. textbook you know the, the it's way like that you
1: a, described. it's like a sunnah of allah in the creation even the even sword. in biology um you know homeostasis you know yes. whenever a change is applied to something a system will naturally um kind of react to absolutely. over overcompensate for that change absolutely. until you kind of you have this kind of wave and then and you, then kind then you of plateau out, you yeah. yeah
0: so it's fun it, so it's 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 something that um, I think mm. is uh, partly natural it's generational yeah. it's it, it uh, it's about time but also I believe that there is now an emerging generation who feel who absolutely mm. feel that they are British you know this whole um, uh, integration argument, and I'm yeah. someone who's spoken publicly about about this being a very loaded, weaponized term that we mustn't take on board. That we should, mm. you know, what do you have
1: against A level maths? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're yeah. dying to, to press
0: <laughs> that particular button, yeah. weren't okay, you? Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, the whole thing about we must integrate and, yeah. and, and the such it's. Um, it's, it's a false, it's a red herring. It's, it's a false mm-hmm. warning and, and, we, and we shouldn't really uh, waste that? too much time on that. Well, uh, firstly, because you can't measure it. I mean, how do you, uh, how do I assess whether you're integrated or not? In Britain, for instance, certain mm-hmm. agencies have developed a list of questions <laughs> amongst which you have to answer, you know, silly questions about who was the, I don't know, when prime minister and the such. Know, which mm. most Brit- Britons won't, won't yeah.
1: recognise. Um, what to do if you knock over someone's drink <laughs> in <laughs> probably, a pub? Probably, probably. I think that's one of the citizenship probably. questions. Yeah, and questions, in Germany, yeah. for
0: instance, yeah. what your political views are when it comes to Israel, for instance, or mm. certain issues when it comes to homosexuality or the such. Mm. And, and, and you're based upon this. And it, and it neglects one of the foundations of Western societies... And that is free speech, free expression, mm-hmm. you know, open thinking, broad-mindedness and and people adopting whatever position they wish on certain that's matters. What the,
1: which that's what I felt about the whole British values discourse, which is thankfully exactly. kind of um, taking exactly. a back seat now. In, in, and, uh, and
0: also, who gets to say, yeah. who, who gets to decide? Whether I pass that particular test. Yeah. Where do I get this certificate of being absolutely integrated from? Who gives it to uh, me?
1: Ironically, it's the, uh, you know. People who feel quite British that I know, people who've been in, whose families have been in this country for generations, they're more likely to say, get lost. Exactly, you know, exactly, lost because
0: them. because they yeah. are truly British. Yeah. <laughs> because they are truly British. You say, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to think what I want to think. Yeah. I'm going to believe in what I want to believe. Maybe and it's I'm a gonna test
1: <laughs> to see if you take this seriously then you might integrate. <laughs> like, if you say, get lost. Then <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, for yeah. instance, my father was uh, yeah. w- migrated from Iraq and Throughout his entire life, Mm. he never felt that he was British. To him, being British was merely to have a passport which which would allow him to travel and to work Mm. for the best interests of Iraq. And once Mm. the chance came for him to return to Iraq and hopefully do something that would... Uh, you know, allow him to think yeah. that he was doing something by his country.
1: He, he <coughs> took that opportunity. Yeah.
0: I was less inclined to do that, and therefore, I haven't returned to Iraq, despite <laughs> the fact that I was invited to return.
1: Have you think Have you thought about returning to Yorkshire, though?
0: Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I always tell uh, tell everyone that when I was uh, when I was in Leeds, I was li- I was living and teaching in Leeds for a while. I used to travel to London twice a week. Mm. Now I moved to London. I couldn't travel to Leeds once every four months. It's it's wow. just, it's just incredible. I don't know what what it is about London. Maybe it's, age. Uh, maybe age. Maybe <laughs> gravity. Maybe magnetism. Maybe. I don't know what it is.
1: But anyway, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the the you know feel grateful narrative, because that's something that um, a lot of people outside the Muslim community tend to be kind of more kind of right wing racist, Islamophobic types. They have still absorbed and you can, if you, and not just with Muslims. If you see the the current controversy storms is created yeah. um, quite rightly. So yeah. you know, calling out racism in, the, in, in in Britain and stuff, a lot of people have been saying, "Look how you know successful you are. You should be grateful that you've been given these opportunities and that kind of that, that kind of rhetoric is still out there." Yeah. It's
0: yeah. uh, and it, and it, listen and this comes back in waves and cycles. Um, the yeah. same that's being said today was said mm. uh, thirty years ago and was said fifty years before then. Yeah. And then you know and the target Different changes. Communities. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was the Jews Then it was the Blacks Then it was the Irish. I, I lived through yeah. the time when it was the Irish. I went to a school where so you're many all right. <laughs> I'm all right, fine. <laughs> you're I, all right. You know, I, you are, they were like I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so, uh, so. You know, it come, but but the narrative is the same. Yeah. I was once uh, speaking on the same panel as a rabbi, uh, rabbi Ruby Wax, and um, she presented um, a copy of the Daily Mail in nineteen twenty something, yeah. mm. and the and the front page could be. Sp- Just one word, you know, Jews taken out and Muslims inserted, and it would be the same. You'd expect it to be yesterday's issues of the Daily Mail. (coughs) So the the narrative is the same. The targets change. Mm. And today, unfortunately, the Muslim community are the same. But by the grace of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have the experience, we have the technology, and we have the friends out there who make us feel assured that we're not alone. And mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. the great difference. I re- recall quite uh, clearly when um, uh, a black uh, parent <coughs> of, a, of a schoolmate of mine was mm-hmm. literally, literally hounded down the road by white uh, parents in, uh, when I was going to school. I was about eight. And mm-hmm. no one, you know, batted an eyelid. No one moved. Mm. And I, I recall those scenes till now. I ca- it, it, you know, it was like a nightmare playing in my mind. Um, but now things are different. Now you see that people stand up for each other mm. in, 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 on, in tube trains, in, uh, in buses. In, Especially in, if in you're wearing centers. a big backpack. Especially <laughs> if you're wearing a big backpack, yes. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's something that we should see as a challenge. I'll come back yeah. to the election thing because... And I'm going to say something which might sound a little bit controversial and a little bit awkward and funny, okay. we'll like but that. Um, keep your finger on that <laughs> button. But I'll tell you what, it might have been the best thing for the Muslim community that the results emerged as they were, and which most Muslims felt quite down about. Okay. Um, the fact that not only did the Tories win, which was expected anyway, mm-hmm. but the... the you know,
1: That's what everyone's saying now, isn't by, it? Hindsight's, by, uh, you know, twenty twenty. Well, well,
0: the thing is, I I constantly oh. said, and on the day of the elections, I did an interview with Al Jazeera, and I said yeah. that the, the 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 possibility is, or the probability is, that the Tories will win, but yeah. without a majority. Oh, okay. The scale of the majority was what took everyone by surprise. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so, but it could be that so this how, how was.
1: Can, how can this be? Um in your view a good
0: well it might be the catalyst that would drive people to work constantly and not to think that well we've we've done well we achieved what we went out to achieve we got the result that we wanted go back to normal and therefore we go back to normal and then wake up in four or five years time I believe that um The Muslim community is aware of the challenges. I believe that Mm -hmm. the Muslim community in all its facets. And by the way, the Muslim community, and the more you travel by the way between the towns and cities and go to various musallahs and masajid and jawama' and meet with people, you realize how diverse we are, how varied we are, how this Mm -hmm. great mosaic of a community You know, Mm. people of all mavaab, of all traditions, of all cultures. I got to meet with uh, the Balkan uh, Muslim community here in Mm. in North London. I got to meet with uh, the Caribbean Muslim community in South London. I got to meet with, uh, you know, the Pakistani, if you wish, community in Lancashire. I got to Mm. meet with the Arab community in Leeds. And you get to understand that they all have (coughs) their respective concerns worries Mm. challenges and their ambitions and aspirations
1: yeah
0: (coughs) and hopefully this result will help in them um feel that they need that they 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 can't they can't Mm. sit back and do nothing like probably many people have done in the past Mm. four five even ten years
1: Guys, me again reminding you to head over to Islam21C.com forward slash donate to keep the lights on at Islam twenty one c. We pride ourselves on being independent and being funded by the grassroots community. It's interesting, um, you know, the 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 uh, parallels with um Jewish community, black community, and so forth. But I think one of the things with the Muslim community, uh, and I'm not sure if that was um, you know, similar Echoed with other communities Is that the Muslim community has A broader narrative beyond um, Beyond our borders here mm. We have this notion of an ummah We you see, you know, and there's a lot of Especially young brothers and sisters You know, they see what's happening in Idlib right now They see what's happening in East Turkestan They see what's happening With, um, you know, the Indian Muslims Right now in Kashmir the, the, You know, the list is long And that kind of... Um, you know, um, bad news almost all the time yeah. on the on you know on our on our news feeds now or in our television screens or whatever. That has an impact on us, and and there's there's a desire to want to do something, right? But I mean, how would you in from your perspective and your history and, and trajectory for in activism? How you know what's your narrative? What's your message about you know Muslims here vis-a-vis you know? problems that are happening elsewhere, how can we, you know, discharge some of our responsibility for our brothers and sisters in Idlib, for example, or uh, India, or Kashmir, or East Turkestan?
0: The, the list is long. Uh, yeah. You've only mentioned four or five, and mm. I could, uh, you know, add um, Yemen, I could add Libya, I can add, uh, you know, mm. we, the list is truly very, very long, uh, subhanAllah. It's just uh, a test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending, not only our way, but This is a test for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing to think about is, I would say, to reject the narrative that says, well, you concentrate on foreign issues too much. You know, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I was uh, discussing this with a number of brothers last week um, who said, well, one of our problems is that we talk too much about Palestine, we talk too much about Kashmir, Mm -hmm. we talk too much about the Eru or the Rohingya or this or that, and uh, that um, has turned off not only the public, but it's also turned off candidates. I mean, candidates whom we talk about, about Syria, about mm-hmm. Yemen, about the mm-hmm. such they just switched off. And I find this quite uh, surprising, especially for people who, who believe, not just claim, but believe that they are British. Yeah. Um, to be a global citizen today is, is something which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's uh, probably now a minority breed. I mean, I I don't think that most people would describe themselves as global citizens. But what's waking people up is the issue of global change. All of a sudden, um, everyone worth their salt, everyone who wants to be on a TV screen, who wants to be heard, wants people's votes, (coughs) will absolutely mention somewhere in what they're saying Mm. about the environment and about global uh, climate change and about... Uh, climate, you know, this is now the issue that tops everyone's list. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's not so bad to talk about something which yeah. is outside our yeah. borders. Okay, in the same way, we can talk about famine or disease or war or oppression, mm. and tie it within this whole global perspective about how, what, what role I play. And it must be induced. And this is part of the fight against nationalism and the the, the nasty kind of nationalism, yeah. that these are the borders and I'm going to protect them with my blood and I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about that. You know, this is anaphobic kind of narrative. The best antidote to this is to speak about our role and our responsibility towards the globe. I said at the time when I... Uh, I and... Many other brothers and sisters were leading the two and a half million march in Mm -hmm. 2003 Mm -hmm. against the war in Iraq. Mm -hmm. I used to say that I'm not doing this because my father, you know, is in Iraqi Mm -hmm. or that they happen to be Arabs and Muslims as I happen to be. I am truly fearful for my British neighbors because I believe that what you sow, you will reap. Absolutely. And yeah. if you sow death and destruction upon other people who have done no yeah. harm to me, then one day death and destruction will come to me and that's something I do not want for my own people and my exactly own country. that's exactly what happened. And that's precisely yeah. what's happened, unfortunately. Um, so that kind of, of narrative, that uh, if, if I want prosperity and peace, if I want clean air, mm. if I want good health services, if I want good education, then I must ensure that not only my own borders, but everyone enjoys the same. Mm. If I want freedom, it doesn't work if I watch and do nothing as someone's freedom is trampled upon. Mm. Um, if I want democracy, then it doesn't work if I watch as a democracy is being crushed by military tanks and I do yeah. absolutely nothing, probably even deal with the with the driver of that <laughs> particular tank.
1: Or sell them the tank.
0: Or sell them the <laughs> tank in the first place. Mm. Um So having that kind of narrative and establishing that new uh, constituency, which is being global citizens and Mm -hmm. talking about our responsibilities as individuals, as organizations towards everything that happens in the world. And by the way, this is a big responsibility. It might sound like fun for some right now, but it, it, it brings us another form of responsibility. And that is, if I am going to stand up for the people of rohingya and aygur and kashmir and the like i must also stand up for a non-muslim community or state or nation that are being oppressed mm-hmm. you know by anyone either internally or externally yeah. so basically i need to be absolutely non-hypocritical
1: kuntum khayru ummatin ukhrijat linnas linnas every yeah. all, mm-hmm. all
0: people so uh, so it's 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 both an advantage but also mm-hmm. a responsibility that we must uh, absolutely demonstrate that, that, that we're up to. But it, it's not a difficult one. And I, I'm, I'm often surprised by imams or by my own brothers and sisters mm-hmm. who say, this is too complex. Let keep, let's keep it simple. Let's just focus on British issues. Fine, let's talk about British. But then how are you going to talk about the banking sector and what it does to third world countries and communities yeah. abroad and the creation of famine and the creation of sweatshops and the such you know, if, if you're not going to address, it's not just about, you know, w- wallahi, is interest rates, are they high or low, and should they be an inflation and the such, as though this is all I care about. Mm. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm part of a structure. I'm part of a world order. Without the reform, um, I will suffer at some stage. So mm. in order to, if you wish, self-preserve and protect my own, I should embark on these issues. Mm.
1: I mean, one thing is obviously using a platform and speaking out and raising awareness, and that's very interesting and, and very, very important, rather. But is there something beyond that? I mean, do you, do you feel that there's some kind of um, mechanism or framework for uh, global change in terms of moving away from this, what you described as a world order? You know, we've seen recently different Muslim kind of statesmen Uh, making powerful statements about, you know, trying to, it it seems ostensibly, for example, with the KL Summit, Kuala Lumpur Summit, that there seems to be a rival kind of voice of Muslims emerging uh, on a global uh, stage, Mm -hmm. away from the traditional kind of Middle East and Saudi-centric, Saudi or Iran, kind of that traditional kind of proxies of Cold War and stuff. It seems that there is a, I mean, you hosted um, uh, President Erdogan recently, you know, in London, I didn't go myself, but uh, I was very busy that night. But, uh, you know, I heard that you kind of gave an address there and, and, and so forth. How important or how effective do you think these kind of uh, channels of, of, uh, of the diplomacy or Muslim countries kind of working together to try and show some kind of leadership? You know, is this Is this something that we can see in our lifetimes, do you think? Or are you, do, you I, do is your psychology that you're planting seeds maybe for... 100 years or so to to, to sprout
0: My psychology is that As a Muslim I have to do my utmost For today Mm -hmm. And a change may come In you know A click tomorrow Or it may take another 50, 60, 70 100 years, Mm. either way I need to do my bit Uh, In the authentic hadith If uh, the day of judgement Is upon you and you're carrying a a bulb Or a seed or a Plant it. Mm. Although you're never going to see the results, but plant it. Be, con- be be constructive. Mm. But also, I embark from a position of believing that the world is broken. The world that we have today, mm. we call it the world order, call it uh, the international community. The world is broken. We lack a very very important ingredient in world politics today, and that is morality. Okay, and the what lack
1: you of morality.
0: <laughs> we don't. We don't need khilafa. Okay. We don't need khilafa. Khilafa is just a really, That's a tool. quite. Um, it's a form of, uh, of government, yeah. and um, it's
1: quite a controversial statement for some it, it,
0: people. For some, I believe it's going yeah. to be a matter of iman and kufur yeah. But uh, I'm, I take my position backed with mm. evidence from, you know, ulama across history, not just yeah. not just not just now, um, but. Uh, I, I, the we the need, world today. We need
1: the. What you're saying is, we need the. The objectives that were once fulfilled by khilafa to be um, fulfilled. I.e. We need. Is, uh, if you
0: wish, if you wish. I mean, to use a contemporary yeah. term, um, a value system, mm-hmm. and a value system that um, could be um, implemented through any means whatsoever. We'll call it democracy. Call it shura. Mm-hmm. Call it khilafa. Call it statesman. Whatever it is. <coughs> as long as the value system is, um, is there. And by the way, mm-hmm. most people would agree, I would say 90% of human mm-hmm. race would agree on what the good values, good and bad, what they would be. Mm-hmm. And also the ingredient of morality. Talking about human rights means absolutely nothing if ultimately I, I take away the aspect of morality and efficacy in my dealings and therefore um, Mm. presents interests, my interests um, above uh, values and above this question of morality. So I think that when we talk about war, when we talk about occupation, when we talk about famine and disease, when we talk Mm -hmm. about poverty and deprivation, We're essentially talking about the lack of morality. When we talk about, you know, one thing that President Erdogan has recently been really banging about in virtually every one of his -hmm. public speeches, and that is that how could five nations, uh, i.e. the UN Security Council, five Mm -hmm. nations be in charge of world affairs? Be in charge of matters that are so critical and so crucial mm. as war and peace and treaties and punishments and and the such. Mm. How how could, how could that even be? Um, that's I believe that's one aspect of the the the, 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 the void uh, of morality, the economic system that we're mm. governed by. I mean, it's atrocious. It is atrocious, and the manifestation of how of this atrocity is the fact. Um, that I uh, I read just before the elections, that eight people in the UK, they own more than 15 million or 18 million yeah. put together. You know, how could that be? You know, this whole argument, one day my son came to me and said, what do you think about this argument about no one should be a billionaire? I said, well, listen, someone could be a billionaire, but then the, the moral code that they should be abiding by should force them or compel them <clears throat> to contribute...
1: Not be a millionaire anymore. <laughs> <Billionaire> anymore. <laughs> a billionaire
0: anymore. I mean, they should contribute towards society yeah. and towards uh, projects and education and the such. Um, those billions that they have been given. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I, you know, I, once again, I think that if we're thinking exactly about what it is that we want to achieve, I believe that we can't continue... and again another controversial point of view probably we can't continue to say well you know what Uh, we should only care about the issues of of Muslims because they Mm -hmm. are the most victimized they are the most targeted, they are the most oppressed they are the most deprived, they are the most I I, I believe we fall uh, far short of firstly our Islamic obligation Mm -hmm. and secondly I believe that we uh, put ourselves up to fail because Let me give you an analogy. Let's assume I'm living on uh, the banks of a flowing river. Mm -hmm. If there is a chemical plant at the top of the river, then the water arriving as blue or clear as it looks, it's going to be polluted. Mm -hmm. And I can't drink, I can't use it, I can't probably even bathe in it because it's full of chemicals. Now... I can never, in that situation, say, you know what? I don't care about the others who live downriver. River. I don't ca- across the river. I don't care about them. I want to care about myself and my children, um, mm-hmm. and that they consume clean water. How can that be achieved unless something is done about the chemical plant, and it stops throwing chemicals into the river? Meaning, everyone needs to have clean water. For me to have clean water, in the same way. Everyone needs to have good health service so that I can enjoy good mm-hmm. health service. Everyone needs to drive on good roads and good transport systems so that I can enjoy the same facilities. I can't exclude myself from my surroundings and say, mm. well, I don't care about others. I just want it for myself. You're thinking
1: win-win, basically.
0: It's not, it, you know what? It's an obligation mm. that we create a system um, that is uh, just mm-hmm. for everyone everyone, um, and an education system that is thriving for everyone, an economic system that ensures that everyone is part of that development and enrichment and the such.
1: I mean, the the, the current, um, uh, I suppose, the most dominating and most uh, aggressively spread ideology, uh, I think, in the world today, is uh, neoliberalism, mm. economic neoliberalism. And there's, there, there's there's arguments to say that that looks at the fundamental relationship between human beings as very different to what you just described. As at our essence, we are kind of um, uh, pleasure maximizing and pain minimizing creatures just on um, our media and, and our... Our most basic, fundamental relationships are mediated by competition that we're competing for scarce resources. It's, uh, so, in the presence uh, <coughs> of such a a dominant and aggressively spread and widespread, um, you know, ideology or, or discourse, you need to try. We need to have some kind of way to attack that at the same time as, or trying to dismantle some of its uh, effects. Right.
0: I think that rather than um what we need to do essentially is establish our own narrative. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind thinking that every ideology out there has some aspects which I can utilize that are good yeah. and they are uh, you know, something that would contribute towards the kind Wisdom of. Wisdom is a lost
1: property of a Muslim.
0: Absolutely. So um, I, I, I have no problem with that. But what I have a true problem with is the fact that we as Muslims mm. haven't developed an Islamic if you wish ideology or narrative mm. that sets itself up to be adopted by non-Muslims that think well this, this actually mm. works and by the way I don't even mind calling it something else than being an Islamic I mm. don't, I'm not, you know these are just labels the essence as I said <clears throat> it's value based it has the ingredients of morality. It sees mm-hmm. justice as its pursuit, and taking away. I mean, you talk about neoliberalism. Unfortunately, one way or another, you know, you, we, we could talk about certain uh, aspects and certain uh, terms and the such. But ultimately speaking, people are seen as consumers. Mm-hmm. People talk about Iraq, for instance, and the war on Iraq as being a war for oil. I don't think it was a war for oil. Uh, Oil might have been one of the pursuits. But Saddam Hussein and the Ba'ath regime were giving the West what they needed of oil anyway. They didn't need to go and do what they did or pay the cost that they did or sacrifice the lives of uh, British and American and Australian sons and daughters for the oil. What was important was that Iraq was a marketplace where 30 million new Consumers could enter. Essentially, we're trying. I mean, the, the concept of globalization, the concept of world domination mm-hmm. is essentially, as one, uh, you know, redneck, uh, illiterate, probably ill educated American soldier once said, he won't rest until a McDonald's is set up in mid Baghdad. At the time, mm-hmm. we laughed. But what he said was essentially, it was it that is Economics. the idea that is the idea mm. the world is supposed to be a market that is open for every and therefore we talk about competition mm. but the problem is that this competition that you are told that yeah. you are an equal in you are far from beacon, being an equal mm. in you are entering with both your hands tied behind your back because this marketplace demands an ideological a moral and ethical setup as well as a political setup and the such. I mean, for instance, how could, in the midst of the West, which is largely democratic, largely mm-hmm. free, largely liberal, how is it that anyone who um, who demands that, you know, this freedom that I enjoy and I'm thriving in, I would like my Palestinian brothers and sisters to enjoy the same? How... You know, wh- where would then I stand in terms of this open marketplace mm-hmm. where I'm told I'm an equal? I wouldn't be treated as an equal. In fact, more than that, I was, two years ago, I was invited to, um, uh, I'm not going to say which, <laughs> but I, I was invited to one of the mainstream media outlets uh, to comment on something. Yeah. And they said, as soon as I arrived, they said, you have to put, wear a poppy. It was November. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to wear a poppy. They said, well, uh, we have laws that, um, and policies that you have to be, uh, wear In a poppy. UK. In the UK. Wow. And I turned away and said, well, I'm sorry, if, if that's the your policy, then I'm going I'm to go back.
1: But why do you hate Britain so much? Uh, well, that's
0: the thing. I love Britain to the extent <laughs> that I, I, I don't wish war upon it, and I don't wish mm-hmm. it to go to war upon others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you see, it's partly... N- I'm not here about dismantling socialism or dismantling mm-hmm. liberalism or dismantling this I'm about developing a narrative
1: yeah.
0: with the values that we believe in with you know the contents of our faith you know people say well how are you, how are you going to do that you know how how could you hope to attract <coughs> non-muslims mm-hmm. to something which you're basing upon your faith i'm saying well listen you know when i believe as a muslim la ilaha illallah this means to me that I am a slave to no promotion, marketing, campaign of any product. I'm not a slave to you know, the marketplace. I'm not a consumer. Mm. I am someone who's a contributor. Sure. You know That, that is yeah. what it tells me. This is what I understand from La ilaha illallah. That I'm not going to be held ransom by the monthly paycheck and for it to stay silent when I see an injustice happening in front of me. Mm. I do not fear anyone because I understand that Allah is my provider, my supplier. When I say la ilaha illallah, that's the kind of implication that follows. I would think that most people today, Muslims and none, would like that kind of situation, Mm. not to be tied or held ransom to the rat race to the marketplace, to the pension that is likely to be mm. collapsed or to turn out to be some sort of Ponzi scheme or the such. I think that those who suffer as a result of the unethical um, economic system go far beyond the Muslim Absolutely, community. Yeah. So we, had,
1: um, we had a video from uh, Dr. Dawood Bakar. Mm-hmm. Global expert in slang finance yes. from the KL summit, and he was saying, you know, we're we're trying to develop products and develop a system Correct. where it will be the the mainstream in the world because people will choose that absolutely rather than uh, something which is based and, and on for uh, reason, and for that reason and for that reason.
0: And whilst, for instance, the KL summit mm. is um, an excellent uh, initiative, the biggest story of the the summit was Saudi Arabia didn't turn up. <laughs>
1: I wasn't invited. It
0: wasn't, it wasn't invited? It was invited, but mm. then it sort of pushed um, or forced the, the Pakistani Pakistan, Prime yeah. Minister to withdraw. Otherwise, mm. it would expel the hundreds of thousands of Pakistani laborers who work in San. Mm. So, w- ultimately speaking, we have to start somewhere in order to create the kind mm. of um, just existence, not only mm. for Muslims, not only for yeah. Muslims, you see. And that's the that's, that's But secret. in order to
1: do so, Muslims do need to get their house in order, obviously, to coordinate, to synergize, to work together. Do you think that, I mean, a, a, a one criticism that always comes to you know, uh, any Muslim leader, whether it be Erdogan or Imran Khan or Mahatma Muhammad, is that they're more interested in their own you know, uh, national interests mm. than kind of uh, the Ummah. Or they, you know, the, the Ummahs, uh, they don't, they won't care about the Uyghurs, for example. But they'll, you know, they'll care primarily about their own kind of borders. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll give you, I'll give you a, a far more clear example. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the, the figureheads um, at the KL summit was uh, President Rouhani of Iran. Yeah. Iran is arguably one of the greatest forces that are working against. The unity of the Ummah today, supporting yeah. the uh, the Bashar al-Assad uh, regime, mm-hmm. um, uh, doing its havoc in, in Yemen, in Lebanon, in Iraq mm-hmm. and the such. So in a way, you could argue that from the word go, there is a, there is a problem with the issue. I agree with you that because of the status quo, every mm-hmm. one of those leaders, whilst making excellent statements and protestations and proclamations, yeah. um, is absolutely has, you know, one eye on on domestic affairs and sorting out their own economy, their own um, internal Mm. challenges, their own internal politics and conflicts and the such. Um, So yes, and that's because they're working within the system. This kind of paradigm, whether it be economic or political or social or ideological, needs to be dismantled and it needs to be um, put together again by everyone who mm. has a claim, who has a stock <coughs> in this particular mm. investment, which is life which is the world, but according to values, according mm. to uh, ethics and morals.
1: alaikum guys, last reminder I promise. Head over to Islam21c.com forward/ donate to help this movement get to the next level. So we have genuine high quality media articulating Islam in the 21st century and developing confident Muslims impacting the world for the better. Yes, of course. Do you think the people in charge right now of these countries, do you think they want to do that? Do you think the you know the the, the future is bright in that regard? Um,
0: yes, because um, I don't think
1: I, I don't think to, personally I don't feel that it's fair to criticize uh, you know a prime minister who's the head of a or a president who's the head of a particular state who has a contract with that that people to govern them according to X Y Z. I think it's unfair to criticize them for you know not caring about the ummah because they they don't, for example, go and invade the neighboring country and save the Muslims there? I, I absolutely,
0: I 100% agree with you. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago probably, in 2018, um, less than a couple of years ago, um, uh, we were visited uh, by Anwar Ibrahim, mm-hmm. who is the Deputy Prime Minister of Malaysia. Okay. And he had just... <coughs> Won um, you know the, this new coalition with uh, Mahathir Muhammad in Malaysia, and he came to London uh, to give uh, a few lectures and uh, conduct a few meetings, mm-hmm. and we had uh, a meeting with him with a few um, uh, other Muslim leaders, um, and uh, we were invited to ask him questions or to make comments and statements, and I noticed, I, I to be honest, I didn't have. Anything to say, and I thought that those present would uh, would, uh, yeah. would 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 speak, you know, on on everyone's behalf. But then I noticed the people were mentioning to him Palestine, were talking to him about Syria, were talking to him. So after about four or five comments, I raised my hand and I said I have something to say. And I said to him, listen, uh, all this is beautiful, and I'm pretty sure that everyone really is very keen for you to play a role. I would say, you know, check out Malaysia. I would say you need to make sure that malaysia is strong is prosperous is developed mm-hmm. malaysia is just malaysia <clears throat> is rid of corruption uh, that's your priority because we ca- we we can't have another problematic state we can't have yeah. we don't want wars we don't want you sending an army to i don't know where in order to divert to whoever i would rather malaysia is a strong Economy is a strong political yeah. entity, is a strong democracy, is a free country, is a just country, provides um, a, a fantastic example for other countries to emulate and to follow. I'd rather that than, wallahi, you traveling across fighting with people over Palestine or fighting with people over Syria. The Palestinians will benefit far more than a, from a strong Malaysia yeah. and a just and transparent and democratic. Or you Malaysia have some kind of
1: you know, clout on the global stage absolutely. eventually to absolutely to make, uh, but this requires a a, a level of political um, literacy and 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 maturity yeah on our part yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, we need. You See, I think we need a, a mixture. We need people who who we need the hyperbole at times. Yes, we need people to make impassioned kind of speeches about the ummah. Of course, and that's very very important for us to 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 hold that in our hearts. Of course. Uh, and likewise, you see, you know, statements from sportsmen, for example, yes. you know, saying, uh, making important kind of uh, uh, um, statements publicly. But a politician or the people who are trying to and they have a strategy mm. to strengthen their countries, to work with like-minded countries, to try and increase their strength and cooperation and become free of the the shackles of, you know, American, U.S. dominant, neoliberalism, uh, neo-imperialism or yes. Or that kind of domination I think we need to As an ummah Recognize that You know People are Like the, uh, you mentioned It's about istitaa. If you're able to Liberate Palestine Then Allah will ask you about that yes. Why you didn't do that Correct But if you're unable to do it I.e. trying to do it Will lead to a bigger mafsada yes. Will lead to a bigger headache Absolutely. Will lead to some kind of You know A bigger crisis than that Then you're judged based on that So, so somebody Take you know, talking about Imran Khan, for example, hmm. I don't like. That this is the worst thing about this because <coughs> it puts me in the position of defending politicians. Yes, I yes, hate yes, doing. Yes. I don't like to defend Imran Khan. No, but no. If he's, it's simply unfair to say, why aren't you help, helping the yeah. the Uyghurs, for example? Yeah, yeah. As, as, as close they are to my heart. Um, what's he supposed to do? We, I, I, <laughs> he agree, can't absolutely. just take an Listen, army and, and and invade them, or absolutely. even or even risk. You know, um, serious civil war uh, within his own country yeah. by cutting off, it's very sad to say, but cutting off, you know, an important lifeline to his, absolutely, uh, to, to that No, no I, th- I Listen,
0: I, I, to be honest, I think that uh, the greatest challenge that we face today, if you were to mm-hmm. tell me what is the greatest challenge that the Muslim Ummah faces today, I would say oppression, mm. oppression. And oppression creates dictatorial states. It creates failed regimes. It creates regimes that, because they are corrupt and they are failed, they have no loyalty with the public, and therefore yeah. they have to get their justification and their legitimacy from outside. So they go Usually either the to US. America yeah. or to Russia Friendly or to dictators. Britain or to. So, so all of a sudden, we have this this kind of state. So the first problem and very it leads to
1: problem, a reaction, reactionary oppression as well.
0: Absolutely, and therefore, yeah. and therefore. When I say that being politically engaged and removing all mm. forms of oppression, all forms of injustice, must be our, our our objective. It's it's because of this because we won't be able to create strong economies mm. without governments as well as nations working together in order to create that kind of economy. We won't be able to talk about states without corruption.
1: Yeah.
0: If if everyone if if no one felt that they were safe or no mm. one felt that they had a stake in the future of their country. Um, and listen, what, what you said was absolutely spot on in terms of we have to accept that our, our discussions are, uh, are diverse. Yeah. And I love the fact that if there is one form of, of cohesion, um, you know, wherever I travel in the Muslim world, uh, whether it be I was in Bosnia last week. And I, I'm often in Turkey, I was in mm-hmm. Jordan before that, I, you know, all sorts of countries, I was in Malaysia all, all the time. Mm. There is one commonality, and that is that every single taxi driver that <laughs> takes you from the airport to your That's hotel you will tell you, will tell you, <laughs> I don't know where you've been saying on will tell you the problem of Muslims is they are not united. Subhanallah. And Muslim unity is what so now, they're united in
1: that. And now,
0: if I was having a discussion in a in a lecture hall, mm. I would say, "Well, un- unity of what? Unity of of objective or unity of means and method? Mm. What kind of unity are we talking about?" Um, but I, you know, that that pleases me. The fact that even taxi drivers, wherever they may be, mm. and they have never been outside their cities or countries, they agree on the fact that uh, you know Muslims need to unite Mm. now we need to take that and we need to take stock from that and we need to multiply and proliferate that so that basically we come to an understanding that we need to understand Islam we need to understand our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as human Mm. beings and we need to take from that An understanding and appreciation of what that means and how that implies my relationship with my surroundings, including the people, all the people who Mm. are within that surrounding. Once we understand that, we will be able to develop the kind of values and the kind of morals and ethics that make for a system Mm. that is in everyone's best interest.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, at Islam Twenty One C, our kind of vision and our core focus is to, um, to 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 see every Muslim confident in their Islam and impacting the world positively. So, I'm always keen to try and get some um, practical advice for our listen, listeners. You know, what what what's your message, for example, to the Muslim community in terms of a practical way forward, so the people listening at home while they're commuting or whatever. What's your message to them in terms of practically what can we do?
0: We're at the heels of 2019, and mm. um, in a few days' time, we'll be in 2020. Everyone needs to make up their minds. Um, what kind of contribution do they mm. want to make? I, I, you know, we whenever we meet uh, our brothers, whenever we meet our, we ask them, you know, how are you? How's the family? Mm. How are you doing? You know, small talk. How's it? Small talk. <laughs> how many times? In the past, you know, time that you recall, how many mm. times have we considered asking the question? So, what's your project in life?
1: Mm. You know,
0: okay, Salman. So, what's your project in life? What are you aiming towards? Let's try to elevate the kind of discussion. Yeah, that that have that was a
1: rhetorical question.
0: <laughs> let's 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 try to elevate the yeah. the, the kind of discussion that we have, and have maybe that'll have some kind of impact mm. on our practice. So that basically. Every single day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants me And I Mm. wake up and I'm healthy And I can think clearly I'm thinking to myself So what am I doing today In order to feed to my overall objective Mm. And I'm not just talking about pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's inshallah everyone's pursuit I'm talking about Practically what do you want to
1: I I tell young people when they're looking for You know uh, when they're trying to argue against their parents Of sending them into yeah. medicine yeah, yeah, yeah. I say what do you want to meet Allah having achieved Exactly you know?
0: What's your imprint in life What's the kind mm. of impact that you're going to have on the world And it doesn't have to be And this is something that we need mm. to learn It doesn't have to be Islamic I don't want you to tell me oh, Well you know Praying at least three times in the masjid every single day Or making this or that No 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 I'm not talking about that I'm talking about When you die How will you be remembered Mm. You know, when you pass, and everyone, every single one of us will pass, how will you be remembered? What is it that you will have created that will have a long lasting uh, impact uh, on everyone? Not just on Muslims, not just on your family, but on everyone. Um, once we start to think that way, we'll start mm. to talk in elevated terms and we'll start to behave and act in elevated terms. And once we do that, we'll know that every single human being out there, regardless of their faith, regardless of their culture or their creed, mm. Allah has willed for them to be there for a hikmah, for wisdom. We need to reach out to everyone mm. around us and impact them positively.
1: What's the, what's next for the um, Foundation then?
0: Well, um, we have several things going on. Fifteen year, well, we (laughs) we have besides blowing the candles, which is going to be one uh, heck of an (laughs) effort, but uh, we have uh, a big um, project uh, pertaining to Islamophobia in Europe, uh, amid rising far right uh, governments uh, across uh, Europe, and um, hopefully, inshallah, we'll have some sort of impact or some sort of commentary, let's say, or analysis Mm. for the 2020 American elections, because that's going to be very, very important. And inshallah, I'm hoping, inshallah, uh, that in 2020 we'll see a movement in the Muslim world in one or two places towards Mm. uh, free, just uh, societies. Ruled by some form of democracy or shura or openness or transparency, mm-hmm. um, and <coughs> that will be an exciting advent for all of us. Inshallah,
1: <coughs> Um I think it's a good sign. Normally, when I when I don't uh, realize how, how long it's been, but uh, I had a lot of fun uh, having a chat with you, Zaklachem, <coughs> for coming. It's been a pleasure. Uh, <coughs> at home. Uh, if you like this podcast, give a like and a share. Uh, even if you didn't, give a like and share anyway and uh, <laughs> help us uh, make better ones. Uh, put uh, some suggestions in the comments as well. Anything you uh, found um, noteworthy, beneficial uh, and also remember to um, make dua for us and uh, share it with your friends as well. If you uh, if you made it to the end of this uh, podcast, uh, you're awesome, mashallah. Uh, you didn't just uh, get distracted by something shiny. But uh, yeah, also... Uh, a reminder to subscribe uh, to our podcast channels, whatever you wherever you get your podcasts, um, Google, Apple, uh, all digital places. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. la khairan. See you soon in the next uh, episode. And assalamu uh, alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.